0: Good morning. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, friends, colleagues. You've got the wonderful Anthony listening to Update. bringing you the latest in technology, helping to demystify that amazing world of technology. So quickly, text your friends, tell them to tune on in. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, thank you once again for tuning in to 104.6 FM. You've got update. I'm going to be updating you with what you need to know to get through the world of technology, stop you throwing your laptops against the wall and making... It's so that those laptops are useful for you for a change. Wouldn't that be nice? So, yeah, thank you again for tuning on in. Uh, I'll give you the old website once again. So you can go to planetaudio.org.nz forward slash update to get last week's podcasts. Uh, also, you, you can go to the website update.chat and you can message me directly from there and you your, your crazy tech questions or you can simply um, give me an email and that's um hello at update.chat and uh yeah or you can basically just find that website and leave a message on there through twitter basically if you want to find me you'll find me so isn't this cool finally finally god that lockdown aren't we all lockdown over so a little bit unusual this show today because quite frankly wasn't sure what's been going on we have to had to have this studio closed so I haven't been able to bring you my regular show, so today's going to, um, because we weren't sure if it's going to be on the air, it's going to be just a substitute show for, uh, and then back onto the regular sort of roll out of all the cool tech stuff, but in a way I like, prefer these sort of uh, ad hoc shows, because I get to um, sort of go off script, and uh, I'm pretty good at that. So yep, thanks again, so you've got my illustrious Anthony, and we're going to be going through all sorts of cool tech so um, and also, yep. Send those emails through if you want, and I'm happy to give you all the the answers. Um, got a few from last week, and uh, I'm sure if you want, we can um, try and get those today. And then, uh, yeah. So Anthony, update. Um, just to let you know what today's show is going to be about a little bit, um, and then some feedback so that you sort of know what you listen to. So going to be talking a little bit about um, sort of more the electronics of um, what makes this computer age possible. Uh, Also, I'm going to talk directly, so grab your CEO friends and your media buffs. I'm going to be talking about how New Zealand can get richer through technology and even yourself, okay, so it won't beat around the bush. People like a little bit of money in their pocket and so I'm going to get direct to how can we get richer as a country through technology, And how can you even get richer through technology? And that won't be, um, you know, I'm not going to be a friend and try to, you know, make it all sound like it's all, all, you know, golden opportunities. No, I'm going to give you actual practical ideas to CEOs, to the country, to anyone who's in a position, pretty much anyone who's got a laptop who knows how to make a website. How can we really jump on this um, knowledge the information highway, as we used to call the internet, the information highway. And, um, and, and I can tell you now, it's not necessarily just by following, it's by being ridiculously bold and not giving up and pushing the boundaries of technology. And I'm going to get to that right after we hear a little bit about the old news of the world, as I always like to do in the morning, and then um, we'll go from there. Okay, so thanks again yeah ladies and gentlemen wow gosh what isn't going on in the news at the moment eh? so um well it's hard to sort of uh, detangle some of the tech news from the normal news but uh let's start with the most impressive news in my mind um i should leave that to the end um Yeah, let's start with the good news, Um, and I can come back to this and talk more, and that is how wonderful Rocket Lab, Peter Beck, has put out the uh, latest launch um, from Mahia Peninsula, and that was uh, the 30th of August, so whatever day that was. Bloomin' Rocket Lab, what crazy people they are, huh? They've managed to get just such a great rate of success and they've stuck their rocket up in space and you know absolutely flawless shot it up, absolutely beautiful and and I will talk a little bit about that rocket sometime because it's a work of art and um, what they've done this time which I really want this to be a conversation so don't have the normal boring conversations you're having with your friends change the topic to guess what Rocket Lab did, what? They have set up their own Bloomin' Satellite. For the first time, New Zealand has joined the countries that created their own satellite and sent it spinning around their planet. So, yep, yeah, drop your phones. Don't talk about um, Beyonce. Don't talk about your, your car. Don't talk about COVID. Let's talk about Rocket Lab's new satellite, okay? So even if you're mid-conversation now, tell no, hang on, stop, stop. Much more interesting conversation than what you were drinking last night. Let's talk about Rocket Lab's incredible satellite now. So what basically that means is Rocket Lab introduced themselves to the world as a means of propulsion to get satellites into outer space. And that wasn't sort of enough for Peter Beck. He said, well, we've done that. We're now going to make our own satellites, and I just think that's such such a feat. Um, and, and what that really means is, you know, the let's say um, you want some a, a machine effectively to to know whether moisture damage after a flood might be and. Um, you know, you can now effectively get Rocket Lab to build a specialist piece of machinery that goes, oh, yep, we'll, we'll fly that around and we'll be able to detect and measure and send this data back to you. And so, um, what Rocket Lab's done is not just um, got the vehicle to get into space, they can actually make the satellite. So, the satellite's here, the piece that basically fl- flies around the world. Uh, they also created what's called the booster stage, which means the sort of little rocket that sits under the satellite that gets the satellite into the exact orbit that it should go. And um, you know that's the beauty of rocket lab. It's not just about a, a big powerful machine. it's about beautiful accuracy, credible um, physics, great you know calculus that that knows exactly where to get that, that satellite on exact orbit and exact speed and send it into that orbit, and now they put the satellite on top of that little, they call a kick, kick stage as well. So absolutely cool. And what the Rocket Lab's doing is they're not just... Uh, apparently what they're doing is they're creating the whole vertical for customers. So you must be in free advertisement for Rocket Lab, but it still costs a bit of money. And what they're doing is they're saying, look, we, we're going to get your rocket to space, but we're also going to create... The data pipes, which means all the, the data connections to maintain your rocket, how to get it there, what data is coming down, uh, the encryption, I guess, of that data, the storage of that data, the, the incredible complexities of, of getting high bandwidth from outer space. Da- rocket Labs looking after that. They're also looking after the actual um, the component um, uh, verticals, which means you know a lot of satellites now might need, let's say specialist solar panels okay well rocket lab now can get you a sort of a sourced part um that that is you know and design okay so you want this much energy oh well we're just going to pick you pick these off the shelf and we're going to plug them into that satellite for you oh you also need a a um let's say a, a a three-dimensional navigational pitch control okay well rocket lab now can get that printed on a circuit board or to the rocket lab specifications because you know it's not like consuming your Walkman and your, your, your bag it needs to be controlled from you know radiation from outer space and the sp- velocity so these electronics are uh, you know, very, very high-spec, custom-made, and Rocket Lab's now looking after that for their customers. Absolutely amazing. And now they've sent their own satellite out into space. So, gee, yeah, I wish the media would stop talking about things that are so boring. Um, try to get someone that has um, slight interest in, in technology, uh, a.k.a. moa Uh, and go down and bring these real subjects to the population. In fact, you should be telling TVNZ right now, people, hey, why don't you tell us about Rocket Lab sending their own satellite into space? That's incredible. We want to know about that. We don't want to know about Gordon Ramsay's new pie recipe, right? Right. Uh, So that's Rocket Lab. Um, Now, I think what the other thing that's hard not to address is, I'm sure everybody was hearing about the big... uh, Attack on um, a lot of websites in New Zealand, or like let's say the the cyber attack of the New Zealand stock exchange. There was the I believe the geo uh, the not the GeoNet the 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 weather website for New Zealand, and um, a few other websites were hacked. So that got a bit of news. Unfortunately, not by the media that I understand what hacking is. But let me demystify what happened there. And, um, yeah, because just a headline's not good enough for my audience. So what happened with the big hack we heard about in New Zealand? And they were saying, oh my gosh, we've got a huge uh, attack on the stock exchange. And there's some other fairly big ones too. Oh, that's right. The ski fields, Ruapehu, people couldn't buy their ski tickets. So what actually happened? What's the solution? Um, Let me tell you what happened and let me get to the solution after the the news little thing, shall I? Um, What happened was a denial-of-service attack, okay? Denial-of-service attack, um, in fact, it's such a big topic. Let me rattle off some other other news for you. Um, uh, Fortnite was banned from Apple Store. I'm sure people who are slightly interested in gaming will know that. Um when I say Fortnite I actually mean a manufacturer of Fortnite which is called Epic, which is a massive gaming platform. I've had a battle with um Apple and Apple said, Well, play by the rules or you're kicked off our App Store. So that's somewhat interesting to watch. Um yeah, as far as the rest of the news, um, well, let me just paraphrase sort of what's happening a little bit. Uh, it's effectively all the big companies now hitting up against the massive machine of American government with the, the Twitter, Facebook, Google, all getting a little bit of pressure from sort of the, the government to say, guys, what's going on with, you know, your fake news? What's going on with what w- what you're going to do there? Um and it's sort of a never-ending story. So, um, yeah, look, it's it's such a big thing and there's so many opinions on it and I couldn't probably derattle it all on this show. So, um, yeah, but just know that poor old Apple, Google, Facebook and Twitter are all all having a good fight, somewhat with each other, some with the government. Um, and basically let's just hope that there's a nice win-win solution for consumers and for innovation and we'll we'll just watch that I'll let you know if there's anything exciting from that okay so yeah basically um, let's get into what the more important thing guys which is my uh, my news for the day Yeah, so again, Anthony Blomfield, update. Okay, update.chat is my website. You can send messages on what you need fixed. The good thing about these days, 2020, most people, not like when I was helping people fixing computers, to be honest, most people now are pretty, pretty competent with what they're doing. Um, and the only thing becomes more interesting is when you go off the sort of off the beat on your own on a computer journey where you might want to make software then all the bugs of an operating system become a real pain but if you're just simply you know tweeting and facebooking and you know watching youtube um 99 of the time your computer performs pretty much without you knowing but i'm certainly going to give you some tips on how to get get through life um so yeah, let me tell you what happened with the, the stock exchange of New Zealand and this big cyber attack, eh? So yeah give me a few give you a few minutes to tell your media buffs so they can actually be informed of these things, so they can present it to the population without hysteria. Okay, so let me just wait until you've stopped that conversation. You rang your friends? Good, thanks. Okay, people. So now you are all listening. Oh, What happened with a cyber attack? Okay. Well, Let me really get into this. Uh, This is going to be interesting because by by the end of this, I'm going to give you the solution for it. So let me save half a billion dollars for the industry at the end of this conversation just by telling everybody what to do. Won't that be nice? And if you save that half a billion, you're welcome to send it to me. Um. So, number one, what um, happened with this website crash? Like I say, there was a few. The weather site, um, i forgotten the name of it, but the New Zealand's official sort of forecasting site was hacked. Uh, there was a media website. Um, not sure which media industries would so have been to say. I've got a feeling it was stuff.co.nz, but there was definitely some attacks on some major websites in New Zealand. Okay, so what happened? and it's been going on since i'm pretty sure the first denial of service attack was like 1997 so this is old technology okay really old just don't so you understand that okay so what happens okay so whether it is a brilliant criminal organization or a, you know a government or a couple of bored teenagers that have bit sick of their fortnight game addiction which my experience often is the people behind these denial of service attacks uh had a lot of red bull and uh wanting to do something fun what happens okay so generally there is now almost software that can be downloaded that sets up what's called a denial of service but um what basically happens and i guess this is a somewhat you know more serious part or more complex part is um, hackers or malicious computer people, uh, geniuses, (laughs) I would never do this, basically managed to uh, get a whole lot of normal people's computers um, or businesses to run a virus on them. Okay. And they do this, it could be simply by people's website habits and somehow there's a, like a Trojan horse or rather a a hack that's been put into the the web browser. Or it could be a malicious email that people sent and opened. Uh, It could be literally on a USB stick. It could be software that you've downloaded and you haven't wanted to pay the license, so you got it free. But it's also got extra software built in in the background. Okay, so whatever... However this happens, it is pretty not hard for these people to effectively run a bit of software on someone else's computer. Okay. Some of the computers um, are effectively receptive to this. In other words, they're, they're computers that are just almost open for being abused, and, and that's by a whole lot of computers setting up what's called virtual computers around the world. And these hackers, so they, they, they send these little scripts little little um, software algorithms okay and they're running on all these people's computers okay and they're not big files okay so this is something that you could almost stick on a USB stick and give to your friend and have a laugh because their computer becomes part of the botnet and what happens is these little scripts start running um, all around the world or all around a, a, a sort of undefined area. And um, they start, they basically have to get to hundreds and hundreds of thousands of these scripts before what's called a denial of service attack becomes effective or a problem. And so the hackers, you know, they might run these denial of service scripts on, let's say, all their friends who play a game, computer, and, and then all their laptops, and then Um, Once they get up to, you know, thousands of these uh, computers running a script, which they call bots, um, the scripts are all synchronized to sort of wait for a particular time or a signal, okay? So it does sound quite menacing, doesn't it? But they're all running on all these computers, and let's be honest, most of them are Microsoft Windows computers because it's very hard to get into an Apple, and Linux is pretty secure. So... It's mostly your yeah your, your, your you know your beautiful Microsoft Windows unbelievably hard to attack computer, um, and they're all running. Some of them might be in an internet cafe that someone's you know you know never really updated the software on, and so once they get to thousands of these, the sort of master node of the the botnet will say, "Okay, guys, ready to attack." And it will send the website address for the attack to start. Okay? So, um, and this is where it's so sort of primitive but effective and it seems the solution is, you know, easier than, you know, the amount of money we're spending to stop it. Basically what happens, once they get to thousands and thousands of these computers, the, the signal is sent... Okay, go to stockexchange.gov.nz, and um, at this exact time, ready? You know, let's say it's ten at night, and that's countdowns going on, and all these computers might be idle. Most people might just have them being charged on their computer, you know, on their charger at home without even knowing computers about to do something. Um, some of them might be, you know, virtual computers on a server for some. Old server in a an old university building that no one's checked, but they're all ready. And then all of a sudden they go, okay, and three, two, one, and then all these botnet bots sent, simply sent to the website. Let's say it's a stock exchange now. Hey, stock exchange, tell me what you are doing. <laughs> it's pretty much all it all they do. Hey, stock exchange, tell me what you are up to, and every single one does it at the same time. Hey, Stock Exchange, send me your latest, uh, I don't know, share share results for Apple. Boom! And then the, the server, the little old server that some poor, underpaid IT technicians had to put together in this weekend, <coughs> has gone, what? Okay, well, here's the results for Apple. And it says, you know, because the first botnet might be, you know, the first one might be a millisecond ahead of itself. Here, oh, here it is, you know. Apple's a $2 trillion company. Uh, friends should have listened to me about that, I can tell you that. Um, so, yeah, it's on the side. $76 a share when I was working there. It's a $1,000 share now, but hey, don't worry, people will ignore me. Um, so, yeah, boom. And then the stock exchange computer goes, oh, well, here's the here's the share results uh, first bot. It's... Uh, Four hundred dollars a share for Apple. Thank you very much. Now you, you know, because you're a legitimate computer that's asked me a question and I'm a server and, um, you know, I'm telling you what it is. It goes, oh, there it is, done my job. And then before it can sort of the computer can cool down, the next bot goes, hey, tell me the sh- share price for Apple. Okay, boom. And the next bot goes, bot goes, hey, tell me the share price for Apple. And the, and the computer goes, oh, well, it's this. And then he, and then all it gets is thousands of these. <laughs> silly so be computer's going down with the share price for Apple and it's going, oh, it's this, it's this, it's it, it's this, it's this. And then, of course, it's going, hey, guys, you know. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's like me when my friend's giving me pressure, you know. You know, we've all been in that situation. When you have a thousand people asking the same silly question at the same time. Um, and the server's just going, whoa, okay, I'm not my mind to just answer million bloody computers at the same time. So it goes, well, well hang on a minute, let me, let me just um, slow down, and the CPU obviously starts going as fast as it can on the little motherboard. It starts heating up, and it's trying to get the, the, the information to as many computers at once, and it goes, look, look, and you get what's called a buffer overflow, and that means the chip has simply said, I, I can't keep up with the amount of requests. What does it do? It says kernel panic or crash or overheat or memory lapse and the server just goes ding, and it, the server basically, it, it might crash completely and just the computer literally in the worst cases might just turn off, okay? And so it's literally overheated it in some cases or it just goes so slow that it, it, it goes into sort of a maintenance mode where it won't, won't answer. And that's it. That's what this big, huge hack is. It's literally just... <laughs> A whole lot of stupid scripts from some bored teenagers who their mothers have let them be addicted to computer games for too long has, and that's true. It's not always some clever criminal gang. Um, has set up the silly pool, and the server just simply goes, "I can't handle so many questions at once. It's too hard." Now, here is the thing that the media, god, oh, they're a pain in the ass. Don't seem to get to to, to the consumers. It's not a hack in the sense of someone sort of got through into the server. The question that these bots ask the server are actually legitimate questions. It's no different to when you go to the stock exchange and you go, hey, what, what's the share price for Microsoft today? And it goes, oh, here it is, Frank, it's $2.50 negative. It's, the difference is with these denial of services is it just simply happens all at the same time. That's literally what these idiots are doing to bring down these massive mainframes of the stock exchange, all right? So, there you go. So, you know, now you're informed, people, okay? This is why you're listening to my show. So, you're not listening to the hyperbole and sound bites and idiocy that you get on the internet or, well, rather, New Zealand media. So, that's what you're hearing. That's what happens, you're getting um, a whole lot of computers at once saying what happened. We'll, uh, we'll give you the stock exchange um, address and then the computers simply can't keep up. It slows down. Okay. Now, a few things going on here. This 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 is this is good. So number one is, well, obviously, s- some computers are designed to handle more people asking at things than others. So, give you an example. If you went on to Amazon.com, I'm sure most people might have heard of that. I I just had to Google it yesterday to find out who they are. They (laughs) have an e-commerce site. You can buy your cheap plastic, you know, shoes. And they are designed for every single person almost on the planet to say, Hey, Amazon, what's the price of this latest book? What's the latest price? And And the server, of course, Amazon can handle answering that because it's the size of a football field. The New Zealand Stock Exchange is certainly designed for a lot of people to ask it, the stocks, but it's not designed for hundreds of thousands at once to ask it what the price of the stocks price of Apple is. So um, some servers crash quickly with a dollar service and some servers take a long time to sort of slow down because they're, they're literally... A larger computer, they're doing more computers, it's a bigger data center. So um, that's why, sort of, you know, your Amazon, you know, it's pretty hard to have a denial of service or someone like that. Same with Facebook or, or Google. Um, so what? So the people that are really uh, a, a threat are those sort of small to medium businesses that sort of designed to have a thousand customers a second, but no more than a thousand. Um, and it, and that's fortunately you know New Zealand is pretty set up for that because you know we only deal most companies in New Zealand who are dealing internally aren't set up for, to be the size of an Amazon so okay so then what happens okay well if those computers are set up to only take a few and then these botnets get bigger than that and they slow down well then generally these company CEOs get fooled into spending millions of dollars to um, to you know have heaps of reviews but um, there's a few things happening. Number one is this f- uh, vulnerability in these services is is sort of part and parcel of... Um, I should really know that guy's name. I'll try and remember it at the end of the show. The guy that almost invented the World Wide Web, if you will. And that's that the protocols for talking to these service servers are quite simple. They're not... Um, that complex And so a server simply responds to the command no matter who sends it. And so their web server is simply doing its job. It's there to say, you want to know the stock price of Apple? Here it is. It's not there to sort of say, ah, oh, are you part of a botnet? And if you are, um, no, I'm not telling the, the price of Apple. Uh, they're just web servers. It's not – it's the technology that – sort of invented in the web server space um, like it's certainly you know it's it's older than 30 years old well you know it's web servers go back sort of 30 years so and in some ways they haven't changed a huge amount okay anyway that that's the, your web server um, and that's what happens so yeah, so that's your denial of service, and that's what happened with New Zealand recently with the stock exchange. Um, and then, what um, let me tell you what the industry is sort of doing to stop that sort of stuff, and then let me tell you my $3 solution, the, the Kiwi number nine, wire, number eight wire solution. All right, so what the industry is doing is they're simply well, the, at the high end, they're literally creating a artificial intelligence neural network almost, while I, certainly an artificial intelligence server that sits in front of a, a client's web server and actually gets so much data from these botnets that the artificial intelligence can actually learn the pattern of who's asking it questions and a little bit like a detective you know how you say oh i put two to two, two and two together and i worked out hmm maybe i shouldn't say that to that person well this ai machine doesn't just put two and two together but sort of two trillion together and it goes well i had so this big ai computer like again sits in front of the client so let's say let's say um the stock exchange goes out and goes oh gosh let's spend a you know hundred million on a AI machine to protect us so they'll, they'll do that and and you know these are these are incredible engineers that built this I mean there's no you know no bums about it it's very complex science and there's a lot of dedication hard work but basically the AI machine says well I've been learning and watching these attacks for a while and it seems to always be that if there's an an attack here at this time and an attack here at that time followed by an attack here at this time, I know it's a bot server. And it it, it, it almost, the, the AI basically creates uh, falls in a puzzle. It says, well, I know all the bits of the puzzle here. I can see where these, um, what they call, pings or, or requests to the server are coming from. So I'm going to start working out if I can work out Next time I get one, is it going to, can I predict it's from a botnet? And that's what these AI machines do. They they learn what's a botnet and they, as soon as they detect, oh, you guys are all from a botnet, it starts basically protecting the server. Okay. But apparently they're only as good almost as the algorithm the master algorithm of that particular denial-of-service attack. In other words, if programmers create a new kind of denial-of-service attack that the pattern is brand new, then the AI at the moment is not smart enough to detect that, oh, it's a new kind of attack. So it's uh, the old horse behind the cart. I think that's still a saying. Where once the attacks happened in the service craft, then the AI engine goes oh. Well, I've learned about that now, um, but it doesn't mean that it won't stop a new kind of attack. So it's it's really a half solution in my mind, but look, you know, each to their own. So that's sort of what's happening, okay? And you get what's called whitelisting and blacklisting. So in other words, some servers keep a record of all the bad computers that have spammed it and never let it talk to the server again. But let, let me tell you where the innovation really needs to happen, Okay. Um, okay So the main thing to understand people Is that The World Wide Web And the internet Are really quite different things And I Like anything technology Everybody goes Will have their own little Spin on this And try to you know Argue me, argue this with me But in reality The internet Is fundamentally a different thing To the World Wide Web Okay So So The internet itself is pretty damn reliable against any hack. It's nothing more than a directory solution for moving data around the internet. And that uses a low-level protocol called IP. That's where you guys get your IP addresses from. So IP stands for Internet Protocol. And it has a, um, a system where... Basically, routers route data around the world um, in a non-linear way in a matrix. In other words, the data doesn't go always through the same pipe. It effectively can split off and and go to different pipes. And um, you know that was it's a, that's an we you know who invented the internet? Well, you know it was lots of different people. But basically, that technology is pretty old and pretty reliable. Okay, and then so to move what we think of the internet data around, they, they added a layer of what's called TCP, which is your, um, so you've heard of IP, TCP IP. So TCP, TCP is your transport connection protocol. And that allows sort of not just data to move around, but sort of useful data to move around the internet. Okay. And TCP is this, basically this notion you guys can handle this, but if low-level tech, it's good. TCP handles that level of communication through the Internet that's basically handshakes, which goes, Hi, Jack, here's some data. Oh, um, I got the data. And let's say so the service called SAM. Oh, I got this data. Thanks. Here's um, the reply to say I got it, and it sends back data. So TCP sort of goes, I got the data. Did you? Oh, good. Well, here's some more data. Then, on top of TCP IP, and this is where um, we get into web, the World Wide Web. Well, when, um, gosh, I should bring up this name. I'll try to remember it. Um, let's just go. Oh, yeah, Sir Tim Lee. So, um, so, t- so certain Tim Berners Lee, here we go. Well, officially, he's on record for inventing the World Wide Web, okay, not the internet, the World Wide Web in 1989, okay. Um, London sort of engineer, great, awesome guy. So, World Wide Web is when you open your web browser, okay, that's your, your Firefox if you're a nerd. Is your Google Chrome, if you're intelligent, or that's Internet Explorer. Um, no comment. And and what happens with that is you open it up and then you type in uh, a, a web address, right? Um, now that is a layer on top of TCP/IP. It's a you can think of it as a tool that's used on the internet. Okay, the World Wide Web is a tool. And it uses a communication layer called HTTP, Hypertext Transfer Protocol, okay. And then you get your HTML website, right? So we all—that's well, what we all familiar with, right? Most people, when they they think of the internet, it's your oh, yeah, www.apple.com forward slash you know how cheap is my iPod, right? So that is literally just talking through a very. Yeah, well, it's, it's using HTML, and that's really um, Sir, Sir Tim Berners Lee sort of invented that way of navigating the internet. And all it really does is it it understands pretty simple text, um, images, and um, video, and displays them in a web browser. Okay. Now, when he invented that, eighty nine, so it's a while ago he didn't really envision every single permutation of what would happen in the future. So when he made HTTP, he didn't put in a huge amount of communication protocols into two servers talking to each other. In fact, I'm pretty sure the first protocol for a website to get a website, let's say so let's say it's an apple.com in 1991, your web browser literally just goes apple.com, and it sends a command called get, G-E-T, get. And then the web server just goes, well, here's apple.com, and you said get, and it spits out the entire website of Apple. No questions, (laughs) nothing more, here it is. Right. So that's why web servers are somewhat vulnerable because it doesn't matter who tells the web server the command get, the web server responds, so it's a million botnets, and they all simply say "get." Then the stock exchange just goes, "Oh, you said get, so here I go!" Dun, 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 oh, I'm crashed. So that's um, somewhat of a limitation with your uh, with the technology of web, web of websites. Fantastic. Um, be lovely to see some of our geniuses at Auckland University look at HTTP to see if the community could um, effectively modernise the protocol so it's not just get, but it was sort of get and who are you <laughs> um, and and some innovation there. Now, so so yeah, so that's your web page and that's your get and I'm just going to say a little bit more. That's right. So he also, I uh, believe, I'm just pretty sure, I better not say anything about this guy that I don't know for sure. That's fine. Um, so that's your web page. Now, it's fast. It's just a simple sort of git command and it all pops up on your screen, but it's not smart. So that's where people like Apple, you know, computer scientists, in my mind, and Google, real computer science, said, look, we're not going to be happy with just a website for our customers to interact with the internet. And people don't realize this has happened, but it's happened in a beautiful way, and it's quite subtle. But now, most people, they communicate through the internet, they communicate through what's called a client. OK, um, and you don't even realize you're doing that. But when you pick up your little phone, your Apple phone or your um, Android phone and what the geniuses, real computer scientists, not these fakers in my mind, like Apple came up with. They said, well, look, you pick up your phone, you have a little app on your phone and it's a little beautiful icon and you just click it and it does everything you want. For that app, and you don't know how it works, it just works. I'll give you an example, one of the big examples. So, on your, your phone, most of you have Google Maps. Okay, so on Apple, I still have Google Maps, absolutely love it. It's so damn bloody fast, it's so easy to navigate, it so, works so well. You have a little icon on your screen, it's called Google Maps. You click it, boom, it pops up. So far, so easy, so integrated, knowing where you are, knowing where you've been, knowing what food shops are open, knowing how quickly to get to the quickest food shop, um, being able to order a taxi. Oh, how can we not live without Google Maps? On your phone, right? We're all used to this. Now, the beautiful thing about that, and so many of these apps, these are not anything really to do with the World Wide Web. Okay? Apple are way too cool for that. It's a client. It's an actual application. Okay? So this is a term quite common, you know, computer science. It's a client. It's not the World Wide Web. It uses the Internet protocol. So it certainly uses the Internet, but it doesn't use the World Wide Web. And a client is much more secure because it serves an actual purpose and botnet's normally, you know, very difficult to take down a server that's dealing with a client, okay? Um, And that's where the innovation needs to be. More away from every single business going, well, we got a website, to every single business saying we have a client. We have an actual software app if you will okay so if stock exchange really want to do remove some of these hacks more and more will need to go to ah we'll download the app for the stock exchange a little actual client that runs on your um, on your iPhone or your Android device or on your PC okay and it then says wow, I'm a client. I have a special job to do. I'm not interested in Git commands. I'm not interested in HTTP. I'm interested in moving my data to the server in a particular method and in a particular way where I'm always in control. And the server, still a big computer, can talk to the client in a much more Intelligent, rich, dynamic way, and that's really where I think we need to be going. Okay, so, so but these big apps that are web-based, while well, they're fantastic. Nothing really can beat that that experience of sending data through um, potentially a proprietary protocol to your to your app. Now, what the disadvantage of this is is cost, and um, also the fact that you might not have that client so you want to log in. So there is room to have both but I think I think we need to go more towards the client and here's the thing. and we don't necessarily all have to have our own clients. We don't need to all have a client that says where's the best fishing spot in Auckland or where's the best um, what's the best ski trail or you know what the weather is for example, what we, what I think we could do as an industry, as a country, to be smart, is to say, let's have a client that is dedicated to weather, and it's a client that other people can then build their products on. So it's sort of an, it's sort of an open source or open, um, an open client. So un- it's not like a web browser that can do everything, but it's more of a dedicated application that does one or two things. And then we'll get away from the sort of HTTP, and we'll be able to make much more very intelligent solutions. And if industries can work together, there'll be sort of an inter- there'll be an app that sort of does all your banking, or there might be an app that does all your weather, or let's say an, an app that does all your hotel booking, um, and then other businesses can sort of use that app to, to to their services and that is really for my mind the, the best way to get away from sort of some of these um, cyber attacks in many ways yeah so that was um, Anthony's great idea to save the world um, clients you know clients not web pages is is really going to be a big a big part of it Web Sites so certainly have a huge place to, uh, and a part to play, um, and you know it will definitely um, you know can't go without them. But um, just so you know, yeah, HTTP—what you bring the World Wide Web. Ask that next computer science friend of yours if they're if they're sitting around not doing anything. Hey, could you get on, bring um, up London and get involved with the next HTTP and make it a better protocol? Um, there is um some third party solutions that have that that do protect from these denial of service attacks like a um excuse me like um Cloudflare for example and they um effectively can be you know most companies now will probably use one of these anyway and they are basically a whitelist blacklist and the ability to sort of protect the server if it's been hammered from particular machines consistently, then the, the, the cloud flare will say, hey, hey, slow down, or I'm not going to talk to you, and there, and let through traffic that is good to the server. So that's sort of, you know, definitely a fairly cheap solution for most businesses as well. Yeah, so that's sort of your, your low-level what's going on with denial of service, potentially how to get around it. Um, I think what's really cool and I think as a country is I think what we really – what we need to start doing, in my mind, in in school, is stop teaching how to use a computer. Everybody's learning how to use a computer. It's not good enough. We need to understand the fundamentals of computer science because then we'll sort of be able to go, oh, hang on one minute. I can – do my own script. I could write my own software to improve that, you know, and that's where innovation really happens. So not just following along, using what other people have made before. We need to understand the fundamentals. Um, Even software programming languages, to be honest, they are great. But unless you have the fundamentals of what's going on, um, you're still going to end up with the same products as we've seen a thousand times. Yep. Um, Yeah, so that's, a little bit interesting, isn't it? Pretty pretty right into the, the nuts of of your denial of service attack. Probably went longer than I should, but, you know, that's that's me and my passion. Um, yeah, so that's, yeah, so that's what you can say if um, strange wants some help. Say, oh, we'll make your own client or get together with the other finance industry and make your own client. Use Cloudflare. Um, and then, of course, lastly is well there are better servers than others but you know any company th- th- these big companies who are attacked they would already have their IT engineers already know this but I can just tell you now there are at the moment in the industry there, there there's about four what's called web servers one's called Apache which is the most common one's called Microsoft is one's called uh, nginx um, which is a little bit more Robust um, for denial of service attacks, and one's called uh, the latest one now is called Lightspeed. And so, potentially, looking at if you are a small business and you can't afford sort of Cloudflare or AI solutions to protect from denial of service, ask your team to consider if changing their web server might be a solution. Simply going to NGINX might allow you to um, better protect yourself because it's more advanced. Uh, so that's pretty much it for for me today. Um, good things to think about. So good to see, once again, Rocket Lab do some cool things. Um, don't be scared about denial of service. Realise it's a sort of primitive, annoying attack. Uh, sort of more like having your younger sister and all her friends at once ask you, you know, can you borrow the car or something you can't answer them quick enough. It's sort of a childish, silly attack, but, you know, we have to deal with it. Um try to ask those computer tutors of yours to get to the nitty-gritty of what's going on so you can actually be informed. Um, Sort of the big area that no one really talks about in computer science, which is really big that New Zealand needs to be involved with, is protocols. Protocols, protocols, protocols. We need to know what these protocols are. There's a worldwide consortium of improving these um, protocols every year. We need to have some representatives in there and, you know, working out what protocols will will help us and, um, you know, the MP3 protocol, the metadata protocol, the JPEG protocols, the HTTP protocols, the SMTP protocols. All these protocols are made by someone else um, and they're limited. They're not perfect. So learn them. Make your own. Yeah. Get rid of your your Windows. Um, Put on Linux and... uh, Oh last time I said about Linux I'm been experimenting and I will certainly be telling you some tips on uh, on um Linux next week. All right, take care folks.